0: Welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm
1: Scott Eisenberg.
0: And it's Christmas! Yes, it it's is. It's Christmas time. Again. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That
1: we do. That we do.
0: And this week we are watching yet another sort of, kind of, maybe, almost christmas movie
1: i I guess you can call it that yes
0: this week we watched the direct-to-video classic beauty and the beast the enchanted christmas (laughs) released in 1997 um it's a midquel what's a midquel you might ask it's not a sequel not a prequel it's It's a movie that takes place in the middle of another movie. Supposedly, the last hour and 13 minutes we just watched took place in the middle of the original Beauty and the Beast film. Yeah. Which makes
1: no sense. (laughs) Nope, not even a little bit.
0: Don't think about it too hard. You'll hurt yourself, and we don't want that because it's Christmas. Christmas. You're just supposed to think about Christmas things. Ah, yes. During this movie.
1: Indeed, indeed. Uh, we, we're just trying to pimp out Beauty and the Beast.
0: Here's the, here's the thing. Um, Beauty and the Beast, the original, released in 1991, is my favorite Disney movie of all time. And it is a historic film. It was the first animated film to be nominated for Best Picture. It won two Oscars for both score and original song, which if you watch this movie makes you want to cry because the songs in this movie suck. It's not even that they
1: suck. They're they just, do. They suck though. They, they do suck, but there's like nothing to that. We j- literally just watched this movie <laughs> and I can't tell you one of the songs.
0: The thing is it it could be a dopey kind of throwaway kitty Christmas special But it also is kind of problematic in the grand scheme of the movie Beauty and the Beast and, like, the messaging and the romance, which I'll get to. But first things first, Scott, how did you feel about this movie? I felt very... (laughs) You didn't feel
1: the Christmas feels at all? No. (laughs) No, this is not something... I would ever be like, you know what, Frankie? I want to feel very Christmassy today. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's throw a Beauty and the Beast and the Enchanted Christmas. Uh,
0: yeah, I remember watching it as a kid. And, um, I mean, it was, it was passable for me as a kid, I guess. Like, you know, it, it was entertaining enough. It had the characters that I liked. And that's really all that registered to me, I feel like, as a kid. But watching it as an adult, Obviously, like, I knew it wasn't going to be good, but, um, yeah, it's it's pretty rough. I mean, there there are things that you can laugh at, mainly Tim Curry's performance and just, like, the shitty animation and the insane logic that doesn't apply to anything human anywhere in the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, I, I, again, I love Tim Curry ever since what, Home Alone 2. Oh, God, that's, that's a
0: fucking great Christmas movie, Home Alone 2. I saw Home Alone 2 before I ever saw Home Alone 1, so I didn't understand why people didn't like Home Alone 2 as much, because they, I guess because people would complain, like, oh, it's basically just Home Alone, but I never saw Home Alone. But I still, to this day, love Home Alone 2.
1: Home Alone 2 is a good movie. That's
0: got good Christmas feels.
1: Yeah, that's got pretty good Christmas feels. He's great. Tim Curry is always great. Whenever he shows up.
0: It's true. Like he he I don't want to say elevates this, but he slight he makes it entertaining. Like he takes this movie from just a bland completely throwaway thing and he kinda elevates it with his hamminess and it it is entertaining. Well yeah. Just to laugh at it.
1: Tim Curry, yeah, Tim Curry alone gave this movie probably an extra half a star.
0: In regards to the the Christmas feels you get in this movie, I would say that they're pretty flimsy and surface level Christmas feels. I I still had fun with it though. It's fun to just laugh at the nonsense.
1: Yeah, it's definitely interesting.
0: This video had 7.6 million tapes sold.
1: <laughs> Because we have to get the money out of Beauty and the Beast any way we humanly can.
0: Well, after the success of Return of Jafar in 1994...
1: Which actually, I remember that I, being that good.
0: Yeah, I like the Aladdin
1: trilogy. I like that one and the other one with the... The King of Thieves. Yeah, and, I enjoyed yeah. that one too.
0: Um, After that, Disney really kind of honed in on that sequel market They opened their own animation studio in Canada just to produce direct-to-video Disney films.
1: Goddamn Canadians.
0: And it was shut down in 2002, but this was their first project with that studio. Ah,
1: I see. So the Canadians gave us all these bad Disney sequels and midquels and prequels and...
0: Yeah, well... (laughs) Blame
1: Canada. Blame Canada!
0: Yeah, so this was directed by Andy Knight, who is a Canadian animator, director, voice actor. He worked on the Inspector Gadget series, and he was also the animation supervisor on several other projects, including the animation segments in the Tank Girl movie. Oh. (laughs) And a show that has, I would say, definitely one of the top 10 best theme songs of all time.
1: Scooby, Scooby, scooby oh, Scooby-Doo. Scooby pup. Nice. Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo. so cool. So call it around Pufferaddle Scooby-Doo, pup named Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo.
0: Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo. Yeah, he was the animation supervisor on a pup named Scooby-Doo, which I thought redeemed him just a little bit in my eyes (laughs) the most peculiar thing that i found out during my research there's many peculiar things but (laughs) one of the most peculiar things is that there were six writers on this hour and 13 minute fucking beauty and the beast midquel i don't understand that we just did some quick math, and essentially that means that each writer is responsible for about 12 minutes of work.
1: <laughs> well, I also love, we found uh, one of the writers.
0: Oh, my God. It's like the fakest fucking Alan Smithy name I've ever heard in my life.
1: Oh, but it's great. So his name is Flip Cobbler. <laughs> Flip Cobbler.
0: <laughs> that's just stupid. I'm sorry if that's anyone's real name. I can't imagine it is, though. That's got to be at least a nickname, Flip. Who would name their child Flip? Along with Flip Cobbler, um, his five other buddies who wrote this movie (laughs) are responsible for plenty of other Disney sequels as well, including... You ready for this fucking list? Yeah, let's go. Pocahontas 2. Yep. Lion King 2. Yep. Lady and the Tramp 2. Hunchback of Notre Dame 2. Tarzan and Jane, Peter Pan 2, Belle's Magical World, which is another Beauty and the Beast sequel, Jungle Book 2. And there was also another Christmas movie that I I saw on these guys' credits that I just had to bring up. I feel like we should do a a special on this one day. You know, it's just, I'm sure it's such a classic. Bratz Babies, with a Z, Save Christmas.
1: No. I... I I refuse. This is my one time I will place the veto card down. I don't
0: want to watch that. Are you kidding me? So yeah, this this movie is bad. In case you needed some reassurance of its quality on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a whopping 13% critic score. So in case you were doubting us at all, don't. It's bad, guys.
1: Okay? I will go out on a limb and if you give me Three months from now, and you ask me to try and give you any details on the plot of this movie, <laughs> I don't think I would be able to give you details of the plot of this movie. <laughs> How do you have six writers and the movie is bland and forget? Flip, flip. flip. I'm looking at you. Flip, flip, oh my God. flip, 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 <laughs> come on, flip.
0: One of the cool things about this movie, though, is that a lot of the main voice cast did return, which is nice. And, and there are some cute moments, mainly with Lumiere and Cogsworth being like the old married couple they
1: are. They made Lumiere really violent in this movie. Not
0: violent. He lights Cogsworth on fire. <laughs> he did that in the first movie, I'm sure, I think. He lights him on fire and
1: then uses him as a snowboard.
0: Oh, it's he's clockboarding. There's a lot of, like, ridiculous puns in this movie, too. It's
1: a double meaning? Humorous play on words and... <laughs> the comes
0: at. but i mean that's to be expected i guess when you're just writing 12 minutes of fuckery in a fucking like closet somewhere in canada
1: flip <laughs> we're looking at you flip
0: it's unfortunate when you read into this because i learned what the original idea was they knew they wanted to do some kind of continuation some kind of new project with beauty and the beast and originally the plan was a sequel But for whatever reason, they poo-pooed that and decided to do this. Well, the idea for the sequel wasn't that much better than this, to be honest. But the idea just for a sequel to Beauty and the Beast, I think, could be fun. But the original idea for the sequel was going to be Gaston's little brother coming into the mix and using sorcery to get revenge and I, I guess maybe they didn't want to do a sequel because they didn't want to have the beast be a human the whole time. Because for most of the first movie, he was a beast, and that's how kids like knew him. I don't know. I don't really know what the reasoning was to poo poo the sequel. But what is
1: his actual name? Adam. Yeah, I guess it would be a little weird to be like, "Oh, sir Adam," and after you know calling him the beast for an entire movie
0: yeah literally like you could have told her your name in the movie sir you're falling off the parapet in the castle and she's going to like try to rescue you and she just says beast like that's kind of (laughs) rude i always related the most to Belle as a a disney character because she's smart and a strong independent woman who don't need no man and
1: don't forget she created the first washing machine
0: that was in the live action movie
1: oh sorry oh sorry
0: and we also, because I'm Belle, I have automatically pushed the persona of the beast onto Scott.
1: Okay, I'll shave. God damn.
0: <laughs> For our wedding, I got Belle and the Beast Funko Pops on our table to symbolize us. Because that's what we are. We're Belle and the Beast. So let, let's let try to make sense out of this. Let's, let's get into the nitty gritty here, shall we?
1: Okay, let's do this.
0: Now we open up on the Beast's castle and... The opening part of the movie is actually a sequel. Like
1: Yes, the, uh, Codsworth and Lumiere are arguing about uh, who saved Christmas last year. And Lumiere looks like he's about <laughs> to deck Codsworth in the face. They always bickered like little. No, see this. this, old this men. Th- there's bickering and there's like he looks like he's about to punch him. He looks angry. This entire fucking movie. That's probably movie. just
0: this shitty animation. They, they can't really take it into into account emotional subtlety. <laughs> there's a point where they cut to like the Christmas tree and there are ornaments depicting them as their furniture selves, and it's like, why would you? <laughs> want to,
1: to relive your trauma
0: yeah and scott even made the point of like why are they even still here after everything they went through they're still gonna work here i'm like i guess i mean supposedly the beast is nice now so he's probably nice to work with he probably gave them health benefits and yeah, that,
1: that's all great paid vacations he's probably cool now that, that's great and all but let's say randomly you got stabbed at your job do you think you want to come back and be like, let me well, work the shifts again? And
0: Didn't that fucking girl from Tiger King get her hand bitten off by a tiger and then she went back to work like the next week?
1: <laughs> that is true. She did People that.
0: are crazy like that, Scott. So Mrs. Potts is like, I'm going to tell the story of our last Christmas and Chip, the little boy played by Haley Jo Osmond in this movie, is like, oh, great, mama, I want to hear the story. And scott's like you were there weren't you (laughs) and he was he was a major part of the story that we're about to tell so it's like why do you want to hear
1: this so bad you were there dude i understand kids forget things all the fucking time but yeah it's a year ago you would remember this but
0: the good news is we have a returning cast let's let's breeze through the returning cast real quick just just give me some happy feels for a second we have Belle voiced by Paige O'Hara. And she has always voiced Belle in sequels, spin-offs, games, everything. It's always Paige O'Hara. Which is nice, but I feel like the quality of the songs in this are shitty. And it makes her voice somehow shittier. I don't understand how that happens because she has a beautiful voice. It's weird. But anyway, Beast is played by Robbie Benson, who has also for the in- entire longevity of the beast character has always voiced the beast right. then we have the amazing the incomparable jerry orback
1: oh yeah baby as
0: fucking lumiere he did this right around the time that he played fucking detective lenny briscoe in law and order dun, dun. when law and order was fucking ah chef's kiss in its prime and then we got cogsworth voiced by david ogden steers who also voiced a couple other iconic characters in Disney. He voiced Jumba in Lilo and Stitch, and he voiced Radcliffe in Pocahontas. And last but not least, we have Mrs. Potts, voiced by Angela Lansbury, the queen. She also, the same year as this, voiced the Empress in Anastasia, which is another iconic animated movie that everyone thinks is Disney, but isn't fucking Disney.
1: But yes, Murder, She Wrote, yes. Uh,
0: yes, murder. She wrote. That's Andrew Lansbury. <laughs> so now we we have our A team. Is that
1: like our A team? But our A team is clearly half asleep, and they were kept up all night and hi- oh, uh, high no. on caffeine.
0: No, they they were fine. There was nobody that was bad. I don't think the voice acting is the problem here.
1: They clearly weren't given anything to do. Kinda. Well, they
0: did it. You know, they probably went in, did some work for maybe a day or two, got a crisp paycheck and went home and it's it's fine there's no problem with that so now we're we're in the middle of beauty and the beast we're in the winter time it's christmas eve and the old furniture gang is trying to get bell and the beast together because you know they need to fall in love to break the spell and be human again blah 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 and th- immediately you you can tell that the animation is about ten times shittier than the original.
1: That's putting it nicely. Uh, yeah, it's not good. But Beast is outside,
0: brooding. <sighs> yeah,
1: like he's Batman or something.
0: I mean, he's pretty much Batman throughout this whole movie, which is it. He has some pretty funny emo lines in the movie, which is kind of great. But the gang kind of pushes Belle outside to go ice skating with the Beast, and they are ice skating together. And it's supposed to be very lovey-dovey. Meanwhile, we cut to a very dark and gloomy room in the castle. And we meet our villain of the movie, which is by far the probably most entertaining aspect. We get a CGI organ played by Tim Curry (laughs) named Forte. Yes, he's an organ And he's, for some reason, while everyone else has shitty hand-drawn animation, he is CGI, and it's really creepy looking.
1: (laughs) So Tim Curry's whole idea is that he doesn't want to be human again. He would rather stay being an organ strapped to this wall.
0: Yes, because apparently Forte tells us, the audience, that... Oh, I don't want to be human again, because if I'm human again, then the master won't come to me for comfort, because he says that me playing my music helps him forget his troubles, and, and I feel important. So I don't want to be human again, because then I won't be important anymore. And it like it's so fucking flimsy, it makes no sense. And then you get introduced to his little lackey named Fife, and did you realize who he was voiced by? No. Paul Rubens, Pee-wee himself. Let's talk about Pee-wee Herman for just a second because I've never been into Pee-wee Herman. I just recently watched the Pee-wee Herman like original movie because I'm trying to go through all of Tim Burton's movies. So far, it's not working out great. I don't like a lot of them, but I didn't hate Dumbo, which I was surprised by. That's another story for another time. The point I was making was about Pee-wee fucking Herman and the movie wasn't terrible But it's, I don't get the appeal of Pee Wee Herman as a long-standing character. I don't get it. I also watched the Pee Wee Herman Christmas special because Christmas. And it wasn't terrible. It was fine. It was cute. But I just don't get it. I'm not supposed to get it. I'm grown as fuck and I'm watching this for the first time. Maybe if I grew up with it, i feel differently. But it's
1: a little weird. (laughs) Well, it's. 80s 90s kids shit we did in the 80s and the 90s like let's take a kid from now and show them some of the shit we grew up on they'd probably be like what the fuck is this what
0: the fuck am i looking at but Ban- bananas and pajamas what <laughs> anywho um back to this shitty movie we can we're just gonna make any excuse we can to talk about anything else uh we meet paul rubens his name is fife Guess what he is? A Fife. Oh my god, how crazy is that? So his motivation for being the sidekick is even weirder because Fife mentions multiple times that he wants to be human again, and he's very excited about the prospect of Beast and Belle falling in love, but despite that, he goes along with all of Forte's evil plans to try and sabotage Belle and the Beast because... Forte promises Fife a solo he like shows him a piece of sheet music and the cover of the sheet music says Fife solo and he's like oh I've always wanted a solo and it's like um okay first of all why do you care you can't perform for anyone there's nobody here in this castle like no one would give a fuck if who are you going to do a solo for first of all second of all so you're going to commit multiple evil acts and potentially we'll find out later almost kill a human being almost because two human beings you want a solo okay drama queen black swan baby you you go girl
1: fife is the black swan
0: <laughs> so automatically We're setting up our villain of the movie, and the motivations of the villain make absolutely no sense. So we're off to a great fucking start.
1: (laughs) Belle and the Beast are ice skating outside. Belle has skates on, and the Beast is ice skating on his bare feet.
0: His paws, Scott. He's got paws with claws. He don't need no skates. No skates are going to fit on those fucking buffalo pine legs.
1: Yes, but animals don't skate on their paws. Well, we put animals light... don't
0: talk either, and animals don't stand upright and wear capes. Like, the beast is an enigma. He is an exception to the rule of nature, okay? He is enchanted by an evil witch. <laughs> Let's fucking get it together. <laughs> so, Forte is angry about Belle and the Beast skating together. He's like, "No, no, no, we can't have romantic things happening out there. Fife, go out there and stop them." And Fife goes out there into the snow and he grabs the Beast's cape and sabotages them and they fall into the snow and Belle is just like, ah, "Ha ha ha ha" and starts making snow angels with the Beast. But then when Belle and the Beast get up, we get our first like real emo line from the Beast because she has like a perfect snow angel and then his looks like a fucking amalgamation of I don't even know what. It just looks like a mound of shit. And the Beast just goes, This is no angel. It's the shadow of a monster. (laughs) And he storms off.
1: He slashes at the snow too.
0: Yeah, he's see, this is the problem because at this point, the beast hasn't had his turnaround yet to being like decent to Belle. So he's still acting like an abusive cunt. Therefore, everything Belle does to be nice to him is weird. let's go into the problematic part of this fucking thing i'm gonna just get on my soapbox and preach for a second
1: okay preach
0: okay beauty and the beast the original has this dark cloud over it i would say in which some people think that it is promoting stockholm syndrome Scott even made a joke about it while we were watching the movie and I poo-pooed him immediately because I do not subscribe to that bullshit. And here's why. In Beauty and the Beast, Belle is resistant to the Beast. When he is abusive to her, she does not respond well to him at all. She locks herself in her room. She doesn't want anything to do with him. She's like, fuck you. You're an asshole. I'll starve to death. I don't give a fuck. She only softens to him when he saves her life and then he gets fucked up by the wolves and then she saves him instead of leaving she saves him and takes him back to the castle so he doesn't freeze to death and they have like a moment where they're like hey you're not so bad you're not so bad either and then he's actually like nice to her and then she's nice to him and they fall in love it's not Stockholm Syndrome because she doesn't fall for him until he actually softens and becomes a decent human. Now in this fucking movie, he is abusive as fuck for about 85 to 90% of the movie. And it's annoying. Okay, because she is constantly just trying to be overly nice to him and shower him with affection and love to change him and oh, I just, I just want to understand him. And that's not Belle. Okay. Belle is a strong ass bitch who don't need no man. She went through a whole fucking thing with Gaston. She don't need no man to take care of her or be nice to her. She is perfectly independent. This bitch in this movie, I don't know who the fuck she is, but the point is, that aspect of it is problematic because that aspect of it where she's just, you know, being nice to try to change her her abusive man, that's Stockholm Syndrome. And that is not the true romance behind Beauty and the Beast, which is why there's absolutely zero chemistry between Belle and the Beast in this movie. Because he's just an abusive asshole the whole time.
1: Now, do you think during this movie is Gaston currently torturing her father?
0: No, Gaston's probably just having a pint at the bar at this point. I don't think they're up to the point where they're throwing Maurice into the fucking loony bin yet.
1: sorry i i i'm again trying to figure out where this movie fits in it
0: doesn't fit in any fucking where i don't accept this movie as canon let's just put that out there in the universe right now okay (gasps) whoa
1: whoa 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 we're arguing canon shit now what is this star wars
0: fuck you okay (laughs) i hate that this movie is on disney plus but brandy cinderella isn't on disney plus put brandy cinderella on fucking disney plus guys you cowards okay just fucking do it do it just do it it belongs there it's fucking good it's so good it's disgusting we have to do that at some point too on this show anyway i just want to talk about anything that isn't this okay <laughs> so we cut to bell talking to little chip and for some reason chip doesn't know what christmas is I mean, he's like a kid. He's not like an infant. He should know what Christmas no, he's is. He's like
1: he's like seven or eight. It's
0: weird that he doesn't know. But anyway, Belle is explaining Christmas to Chip. It's all about presents and decorations and love and family and blah blah blah. And then we get our first song, where Chip suggests to Belle, "Why don't you get the Beast a storybook for Christmas?" So Belle's like, okay, and we go into the song called Stories, and it's a shitty song. It's bland as fuck.
1: Who will tell our stories, Frankie? Eyes, who tells your story? There you go. There's the Hamilton. I don't, brought it back.
0: Don't get me crying. I was like, <laughs> if I'm going to cry during this episode, it's going to be out of disgust. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a shitty, bland song. Let's talk about the people who did the music for this movie.
1: Okay, let's talk about them. (laughs) The
0: lyrics for these songs were written by a man named Don Black, who has many good accomplishments under his belt in the songwriting business. He wrote the theme song for To Sir With Love. He also co-wrote with John Barry the themes for several James Bond movies, including Thunderball and The Man With The Golden Gun. So, these people are accomplished in their careers. And yet, they produce this shit. And I don't get it.
1: They, like Mrs. Voorhees from Friday the 13th, needed an extension on their house or a new car. (laughs) So, they just took the money and were like, okay, Disney, we'll give you whatever you want. We'll just
0: shit out a nice little song about stories. And I will
1: buy my new hatchback.
0: Uh (laughs) Christmas. The only good thing about this song was that they do this little bit of animation over it. It's not the same animation as the rest of the movie. And it kind of goes through different storybooks. And it's very, like, mystical and magical. The Beast and Belle are riding on a rainbow and riding
1: this, on a magic carpet yeah, and then
0: there's like a magical tree that grows into a dragon it's very creative and cutesy and it distracts you from the bland lyrics so that works but again the whole song is emblematic of the preachy problem that i just talked about before which is that the song essentially says i'm going to make him this present And I'm going to be oh so kind to him. And then I'll break through his barriers of meanness and I'll get to his heart. And it's like, that's not the point of the movie.
1: (laughs) That's not how this works.
0: So after that song, Belle and Chip are like, let's make Christmas a thing. Yay. And then immediately you cut to Cogsworth and he's like, no, we can't make Christmas a thing because the master hates Christmas.
1: (laughs) Yes, because it turns out that what you didn't know is that he was enchanted to be the beast on Christmas.
0: (gasps) Yeah, that's supposed to be like a big plot twist, apparently. I don't know. But yeah, later on you get like a flashback to the night that the sketchy old witch lady comes to the castle and it's on Christmas Day and he's opening presents and being a brat and then he opens the door and he's like, I don't want a rose and then he gets turned into the beast. So now he hates Christmas, even though that was never brought up in the original movie that it happened on Christmas, and that he hates Christmas because of it. Never brought up. But OK. So Cogsworth is is uh, a little scurred. He doesn't want to do Christmas because he doesn't want the master to get upset. But Belle is like, no, we can't cancel Christmas. And Lumiere and Mrs. Potts agree. Lumiere lights fucking Cogsworth's ass on fire. <laughs> Yep. Because why not?
1: Uh, the wine glasses are whining again. Oh, yes.
0: Uh, we have the wine glasses being like, it's not fair. We want Christmas. And Cogsworth's like, wine glasses. It's a double meaning. Humorous play on words. and It's where really the comedy comes at. God damn you, Flip. Oh, God. Why don't you go flip me some pancakes at an IHOP or something? That'll probably be a better use of your time.
1: Go play some Flip Cup.
0: Oh, and you know what's other... We know what the other thing that is established here that's super weird? Fucking Lumiere is a little slut. He's flirting with one of the wine glasses in this scene. And then later on, we meet another character who he flirts with, like, shamelessly. And it's like, um, sir, aren't you supposed to be, like, madly in love with the feather duster lady? Like, what are you doing? (laughs)
1: Lumiere's a player.
0: The French. But anyway, so... After everyone has decided, okay, we're going to do Christmas, Belle takes Lumiere and Chip and the rest of the gang up to the attic to get the Christmas decorations, and we meet Angelique.
1: Ah, Angelique, who who is... Okay.
0: Who is a person.
1: Apparently.
0: Yeah, because, okay, here's the tea, because all the Christmas decorations are, like, enchanted, but they don't have faces, So I'm making the assumption, as I did with the original movie, that if an enchanted object doesn't have a face, it was just an object in the castle that was enchanted to have sentience when the, the curse happened. Okay. If it's an object that has a face, then it's someone who used to be a person and was enchanted and turned into an object. I'm putting way too much logic into this, by the way, why are, but it's fine.
1: Also, then, why are certain things enchanted and certain things aren't enchanted? Why is the wood not enchanted in the boiler room? Wh- well,
0: because it would be a little horrible to tr- watch sentient piles of wood get thrown into the fucking boiler and scream for their lives. Like, ah!
1: You know what? I take it.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. That'd be <laughs> horrifying. Oh, geez. Anyway, so we meet Angelique. And she is a Christmas angel ornament.
1: Who's been locked in the attic.
0: Who has been locked in the attic. So theoretically, this character who we never heard of or met in the first movie has just been locked in the attic for the entire time. It's fine. She's played by Bernadette Peters. Therefore, she is wonderful. Who, by the way, she's also in Anastasia in The Savior, which is kind of funny. But she has an over-the-top French accent. And she does have a little flirty-flirtiness with... Lumiere.
1: Those flirty fucking Frenchman,
0: And Belle and everybody's like, oh, we're going to do Christmas. And Angelique is like, the master always poo poo's Christmas. It never has happened since the enchantment, and we've been stuck up here in the attic and meh. And Belle's like, no, 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 we're going to do it. And then they sing another song. This is like the actual Christmas song in the movie. It's called As Long As There's Christmas. Immediately when they start singing the song, apparently Angelique just snap changes her mind, and then they start decorating the castle,
1: which... has to be on the hush-hush.
0: Right. It doesn't make any sense why they're decorating the whole castle because Cogsworth was like, okay, we can do Christmas, but we got to keep it on the down low so the master doesn't find out. But then you're like, okay, let's go and decorate the entire castle in which the fucking master lives in. (laughs) and And he won't find out about it somehow. He
1: around it constantly.
0: Yeah it doesn't make any fucking sense but whatever I did want to bring up something about this particular song. It's not it's probably the least terrible it's not good but it's actually Christmassy and it's cutesy I did want to mention something that I thought was funny though if you'll remember back quite a while ago when we did a So Bad It's Good movie on this show by the name of master of disguise scott and i had a, a grand old time with that one we referenced a certain 90s pop band that did a song for that movie it's m-a-s-t-e-r of disguise that song the band is called play it was essentially just a bland girl band in the late 90s early 2000s and similarly to that so bad it's good movie. Play also did a poppy version of As Long as It's Christmas. They released it in conjunction with this movie. As long as it's
1: Christmas, I truly believe that hope is the
0: of the we'll I, I just, I found that weird because apparently if you have a so bad it's good movie and you need a pop song to go along with it for whatever reason to get at the kids play as the band you go to I guess and yeah it's it's a cute little Christmas number it's passable I guess
1: I don't remember a lyric
0: I as long as it's Christmas I truly believe something I don't know
1: and Frankie's the Disney nut. and she's I really a-
0: am. I Listen, I, I'm actively admitting that all the songs in this are bland and nobody cares. While all this is going on, Fife is spying on them. And he ends up spilling the beans to Forte, who spills the beans to the Beast about Christmas. And the Beast is pissed. He goes to find Belle. And Belle is in the boiler room looking for a Yule log. Now, um, here's here's the issue with the boiler room scene. Um, we get introduced to a character <laughs> who is really not fun. He's kind of a terrible Jewish stereotype. Kind of? I, I said a terrible <laughs> Jewish stereotype. He's an axe, and he has this over-the-top... Jewish accent. All right, you guys, now get back to Mike. The castle doesn't heat itself, you know. Ike Avold. He says I oh, yeah. happy Hanukkah. That's all he says. It just says Jewishy things, and it's like, okay, what are we trying
1: to do here? He just says Jewishy.
0: <laughs> well, he does. That's his whole character. He
1: doesn't do anything. Just, a, just, a, just the terminology of Jewishy things is great.
0: So as Belle is searching for the Yule log and talking to the the Jewish axe, (laughs) I don't know why that was a thing that was written down. I don't know either. Like, just picture it in parentheses and like the script, Belle talks to the Jewish axe about finding a Yule log. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Okay. Did the axe actually have a name? I don't know. I don't think they said it. If he did. Poke. (laughs)
1: Hoke? What kind of stupid name is that?
0: So Beast comes into the boiler room to confront Belle about Christmas. And Belle is like, fuck you. You can't say no Christmas. We're going to have Christmas with or without you. Man, she storms out of the room. So nothing is resolved. And he's still an abusive asshole. She's like, I'm not going to give up on Christmas. And I'm not going to give up on you. And it's like, ew, can we please what happened to (laughs) bell now this is before he gave her the library yes it was before okay because the beast was nice when he did the library thing he's still an abusive asshole therefore this is before that yeah that's weird too if you were gonna okay hold on because now (laughs) i just thought of another fucking problem (laughs) so (laughs) there's a point where bell gives him the gift that she got for him and he's thinking about it and he's like oh i should get her something and instead why wouldn't he then give her the library then why wouldn't he do that because he had it there he didn't have to prepare anything he fucking instead he gets the fucking organ to compose her a song which he doesn't even fucking do by the way he just sings deck the halls in a really sad voice we're gonna talk about that (laughs) but it's just what that's another plot hole i don't like this movie this is bullshit It it just completely shits on my favorite disney movie i don't get this okay Oh god. Anyway, so at this point, Beast is pissed off. What a shock. And Belle is like, "No, we're going to do Christmas." Meh. So, she decides she's going to take Chip and for some reason she's going to take the dog, the the footrest dog whose name is Sultan, which I didn't even remember from the first, I don't think they ever mentioned the dog's name in the first movie. So,
1: he's actually the Sultan from Aladdin. He, he Aladdin. was cursed.
0: <laughs> He was cursed and put into another movie and then made into a dog. So she takes Chip and the the Sultan dog and the Jewish axe. They're going to go on a little adventure out into the the grounds and they're going to look for a Christmas tree. But before she does that, Belle decides to take her little storybook that she made for the beast, which by the way we didn't mention this during the song but like how do you just magically make a whole storybook bound and perfect lettering and illustrations well, in how- a matter
1: of two minute song well how can mice make a dress there well cut it with the scissors
0: and i can do the sewing leave the sewing to the women you go get some treatment. And we'll make a lovely in for Cinderella. God damn it.
1: Okay. So Belle, yeah, Belle goes into the West Wing. Uh,
0: yes, she goes into the West Wing, which is forbidden. <laughs> and she drops off the the storybook before they go out into the grounds.
1: Yeah, so Belle, carrying the Jewish axe, is letting Chip pick out the Christmas tree. And Chip is a piece of shit.
0: Well, he, there's a lot of Charlie Brown Christmas trees, apparently. And in, you know what? Charlie, Brown never,
1: Charlie Brown never had a problem with any of those guys. Well, because trees.
0: Charlie Brown understood the true meaning of Christmas. When Chip
1: doesn't, this is all Chip's Chip fault. Chip
0: didn't even know Christmas existed until like 10 minutes ago.
1: This is all Chip's fault. This whole movie—it's is it's Chip's really ball. not.
0: Ship is a child. We, we can't hold him responsible. There are adults in the situation. They should have acted like adults and just got whatever the fuck tree they wanted to get. The here's here's what happens, guys. Okay, they are looking through the fucking grounds and they can't find a good tree. They think they find halfway decent tree. They start chopping it, but the Jewish axe doesn't like being used for chopping because, you know, he's only an axe. What the fuck else is he supposed to be used for? Hey, don't it so poke. Every time she goes to chop the tree, he's like, I got old. Oh, my head. It hurts. Ay, 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 ay. And
1: Belle goes, oh, I'll get a saw. No, oh, no, no. oh no. No, no.
0: It's like, oh, my God. It's never ending. Anyway, meanwhile, while all that's happening, <laughs> the beast finds his little present from Belle and he tries to open it and Lumiere is like, no, 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 it's not Christmas. You can't open that. And the Beast is like, oh, fine. But you know what? I'll Maybe I'll get Belle a gift and be nice. And she got me something. So she goes to Forte, the creepy CGI organ with the big waxen looking lips and the creepy Tim Curry voice. And he says, Forte, I would like you to compose a happy song for Belle. And Forte is like, ew, no. And so second Beast leaves, he says to Fife, we must do everything we can to stop this girl from being Christmas.
1: <laughs> yeah, so he plays some music, gets Fife to lure Sultan and Bell into the West Wing again.
0: When that happens, you realize, oh, that's why Bell brought the dog, because we needed the dog to be lured by Fife's squeaking noise. It's all for the purposes of plot. There's no actual logical reason for any of this
1: (laughs) yeah Belle's like oh hi nice to meet you Fife and she meets the organ forte and uh Tim Curry's like oh the master's favorite thing about Christmas was the tree so if you want to be nice go to the black forest yes they have good trees in the black forest
0: (laughs) yeah and lightning struck
1: and like (laughs) like what are we doing I'm like wasn't Bell Sparter? Yes,
0: this? yes, yes, yes,
1: yes. So <laughs> see she's clearly being manipulated. Like no shit, Sherlock. Forte looks at Fife and goes, "Make sure she doesn't come back."
0: Oh yeah, they do like a creepy like zoom in every word. It's like make sure they don't come back. And Fife is like, "Oh, but she's nice. Do we really have to kill her master?" <laughs>
1: Do you want your solo? Okay, okay, I'll go. Yeah, it's
0: like, um, okay, and then, okay, they're they're going out into the black
1: forest. They they're going out into a forest with fully grown trees. Uh-huh. Who have a plan to cut down a tree.
0: Uh-huh.
1: The only people who go into the forest are <laughs> Belle and Chip. Yes, a child who is a cup,
0: <laughs> and uh, a young girl who's like I think nineteen, twenty years old.
1: Why? Why do we need such a big fucking tree? Oh God! <clears throat> so while this is going on, Beast is trying to find Belle. Uh, yeah, but then
0: the other guys—they like the furniture people—they re- <laughs> they realize that Belle is off the grounds and they don't want to tell the Beast that because she's not supposed to leave the grounds. Mrs. Potts is like, I'll distract him. And then Lumiere and Cogsworth go out and try to find Belle and Chip.
1: But her distraction does not work very well. No. Forte tells Beast, oh, she clearly is against you, Master. She left you, Oh,
0: yeah, and he does a whole song about how you shouldn't fall in love. And for whatever reason... Forte is magical because his music notes emit like green mist that forms into different shapes and can actually like hit people. And none of these other like Lumiere, Cogsworth, Business Potts, none of them have magic powers. But for some reason, Forte, this random character that we have never met before and will never see again after this movie, has magic powers. But as Belle by herself is tying up this enormous fir tree to the sled and trying to push it along fife is following along trying to sabotage them by
1: unhooking unhooking
0: the sled and then when he gets caught by bell he out of fear and anxiety just screeches because he's a fife and that's he makes funny noises screechy noises the screeching noise spooks the horse breaking the, the ice and somehow the horse doesn't fall in the ice but the, the tree falls in the ice and then Chip flies in after it because he's a fucking idiot and then
1: Belle. <laughs> Belle
0: tries to catch him but she falls in the fucking ice too So and then at this point Lumia, this is all like, well she
1: saves Chip she saves this is Chip.
0: the high octane fucking climax of the movie. So she
1: saves so- Chip And she's like, she's sitting there like, oh God, okay. And then it's magically the tree rope wraps around her ankle. Right. And pulls her under.
0: Right. And Lumiere and Cogsworth are there now. And Hokey Pokey is trying to save them. And right as Belle gets sucked back under the water, the beast comes because he's fucking, he was pissed off and goes out looking for her. So he finds her and saves her.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he's soaked. He almost steps on Chip because he's so pissed.
0: What's weird, though, is that, like, they basically do the same thing that they did in the first movie because they even had the wolves in
1: this Yeah, scene. I saw that. I was like, oh. But the so wolves the wo- didn't
0: do anything. They were just there. Like, it was weird.
1: It's like, why do you show the wolves yeah. if the wolves aren't involved? It's just
0: weird that how, like, they did kind of like a cheaper version of the same fucking scene in the first movie where he saves her life. I don't know. It's it's fucking weird. But then you're supposed to assume that after this whole thing, she escapes again and goes out into the woods and almost gets eaten by wolves. And then, then after that, then they're cool. Like, it doesn't make any sense.
1: It's like if we told you we had a friend sitting here the whole time while we were recording, but we'd never bring him in.
0: No one likes Herbert. We don't need to bring him into this. But yeah, it's just... If you think about it too hard, it doesn't make sense. It's very much like the Star Wars Holiday Special where if you think about it too hard, you want to kill yourself.
1: So the Beast takes her back to the castle. uh, And
0: throws her in the fucking dungeon.
1: (laughs) And he's like, you broke the rules. You gave me your word. And, And,
0: uh, And what do you think Belle says? Mind you... When he threw her in the dungeon the first go-around, she wasn't exactly a wilting flower. Like, I'm so sorry. Oh, no. What do you think she fucking does in this movie? She just says, I wasn't trying to leave. I just wanted to make you happy. I wanted to fucking throw something at the screen. (laughs) But I guess you're
1: nothing but a beast. It's just so ridiculous. But who comes to lift bell spirits, all the Christmas people come. The jingle balls and everything.
0: Yeah, and uh, Angelique is there. They they sing a reprise of the Christmas song, Angelique and Belle, which I actually thought was nice because Paige O'Hara and Bernadette Peters have some nice harmony in there. But we get the the Christmas message fed to us at this point that it's not about decorations and trees and and such like that because it's about friendship and love
1: and by the way on another side note cotsworth and lumiere keep talking about the food i'm like you guys don't have stomachs yeah like do they eat because
0: they they are people so like do they need to eat and if they do need to eat what do they eat does the food just mash around in their inside like does the do does the clock
1: need the poop Does he poop out gears? Does Lumiere poop out fire? I don't know. What happens with the feather duster? Let's
0: please... Let's (laughs) stop this. (laughs) I I don't... I want to go to bed. (laughs) It's hurting my brain. So, meanwhile, Forte (laughs) is so manipulative towards the beast... That the beast almost smashes the fucking rose, the enchanted rose, which is the only thing giving him a chance to be human again. Uh, Like If he smashes that rose, then they're a beast and furniture forever, which is what Forte wants. But the beast constantly is complaining about how hideous he is and how no one can love him because he's a hideous beast. So... It makes absolutely no sense under any circumstances for him to be, like, smashing the enchanted rose. It's just so ridiculous. (sighs) Anyway, he's about to fucking smash the rose, but he sees a petal fall from the rose, and it falls onto the storybook that Belle got him. So he feels compelled to read said book.
1: Which is just the story of Beauty and the Beast.
0: Yes, (laughs) and he stops in the middle of the story... You can tell because the book is open and it's the middle of the book and it's he stops reading it around Christmas time. So theoretically, is the rest of the book just the future? <laughs> like you can save a lot of time and energy if you just read the rest of the book. You can be ready for Gaston when he comes with all his buddies to try and kill you. Beast reads this book. He gets all these feels, these Christmassy feels. He feels really bad. So he goes to Belle in the dungeon where he, he locked her up because he's such a nice guy that we should care about. He locks this woman up in a dungeon. Okay, whatever. We go to the dungeon. Kinky. He asks forgiveness. I'm so sorry, Belle. I'm, I'll am i be nice now for the remaining 10% of the movie. And Belle's just like, okay. And, and Beast is like, let's do Christmas now. Everyone's like, yay, Christmas. Forget all that friendship shit we just uh, said. Let's put the tree up and do the decorations. But then Forte's
1: like, I won't have this. I will bring the entire castle down.
0: Yeah, and he has probably the best line in the movie (laughs) where he goes, Don't you see, five? They can't fall in love if they're dead. (laughs) It's so over the top and silly. It's so, oh, the delivery is like, mwah. But when Forte starts... Playing his organ and shaking the whole house up. Fife goes to Forte to confront him and try to stop him. And Forte's like, Oh, you fool. I'm not going to listen to you. I didn't even write you a solo. And he shows him the fucking sheet music and it's blank. And Fife's like, Oh, you never wrote me a solo and i'm like dude that's literally the least thing that matters right now or ever (laughs) like shut up you tried to murder
1: two people
0: yeah like he sabotaged their sled which could have very easily killed all of them (laughs) including a child they had a little child a horse and a lady you could have killed everybody you idiot (laughs) Also, the beast almost kills Chip at one point. Can we talk about that? When he saves Belle, he's storming out to go bring her back to the castle. And Lumiere has to quickly grab Chip and move him out of the way before the beast steps on him with his giant paw. And it's like, yeah, I think Mrs. Potts probably would have had a problem if you murdered her child. Don't worry, she has a cabinet full of other children. No, they're not actually children, though. They don't have faces. They're just enchanted cups. When the house goes back to normal, they just go back to being cups. Their sentience ends, I
1: assume. So they go from being sentient. To no longer being sentient—that is horrible. It is pretty
0: sad, actually, if you think about it. All these like cups and that had lives no longer have lives. That developed lives because of this enchanted. That they they should probably be the fucking villain in this story because they should be like, we want to stay alive. But then nothing makes sense. Are the wine glasses alive? Because they have mouths. They do have mouths, so I guess maybe yeah. So who are they? Maybe it's a harem. Maybe it was the beast's harem. Because the Beast was probably, like, around the same age as Belle. So probably, like, 17, 18 when he got cursed. So he probably was old enough to have a harem. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't approve of it, but I'm saying for a French prince or whatever well, now, he is now you
1: all know that it's canon that the beast had a harem
0: i don't know i'm just assuming <laughs> that,
1: that is now canon no
0: this movie isn't canon that
1: is canon in disney lore no
0: it's not this movie isn't canon. <laughs>
1: someone put it on disney wiki
0: this movie isn't canon i want you to shut the fuck up now <laughs> before i hurt you i want to finish this fucking movie so uh forte's going crazy he's literally breaking the house apart with his music and he actually physically <laughs> shoots the beast like an arrow with his musical notes and it hits him and he flies back like really dramatically. Like I I just wanted to go like mm, What you
1: say mm, That you only meant well but
0: of you did mm, What you say mm, That it's all for the best Because it is Um... So that was really that was really stupid yes beast takes the keyboard smashes it and that doesn't actually kill forte i think because i think the writers the six writers sitting in the closet in the canadian animation studio flip um uh, led by flip i think they probably discussed it for all of 30 seconds and said you know what it's probably not a good idea to have beast actually kill somebody So maybe we'll just have him, like, hurt him a little bit and then the guy will kill himself because that's better? Okay, so what happens is the Beast (laughs) smashes the keyboard onto Forte. It hurts him a little bit. He's like, and then somehow he manages to pull himself free of his chains from the wall. And then he just falls down flat on his face and then dies. He doesn't move or say anything anymore. And he kind of lets out an exasperated breath. So you assume that he's dead, which opens a whole new world, pun intended, of questions. It's a double meaning, humorous play
1: on words. That's and... <laughs> where the comedy comes <laughs> at.
0: When eventually the original movie resumes and everything is resolved and the enchantment is broken. Is there just a dead guy lying in the fucking organ room?
1: <laughs> yeah, do they have to now take his body and get rid of him? Well, and they also, don't will
0: the beast be charged with his murder? Or would he just cover it up?
1: Well, he's a prince. Princes get away with this shit all the time and get swept under the rug.
0: Right. But um. anyway, after this murder occurs in this Disney Christmas movie the castle has been redecorated within a span of like probably an hour maybe tops because this all happens on christmas eve and then we celebrate christmas together and everything is wonderful and magical the beast and bell come out in their iconic blue suit and yellow dress
1: so we finally flash back to the future the story is over back to the future back to the future <laughs>
0: Yeah, we go back and uh we see the human beast aka adam and bell and their lovey-dovey and everything's okay christmas time is here and, and fife gets his solo hooray
1: and mrs- everything
0: works out for everybody except Ms- tim curry yes
1: and mrs potts goes well i guess Belle saved Christmas.
0: Oh, what a wonderful story. And that's the show.
1: God damn it, Flip.
0: I would say that it falls in line with the regular tropes of a Christmas movie. So it's got that going for it. But I say it's a sort of kind of maybe almost Christmas movie because it's just so terrible.
1: Because it has murder.
0: That's true.
1: And attempted murder.
0: I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. This movie's really bad. (laughs) It was, I, I had fun making fun of it, but objectively speaking, it's, terrible as a disney movie as a disney sequel midquel whatever it's terrible as a christmas movie it's terrible
1: it's the rattle in front of your child Uh,
0: yeah essentially and i can speak as someone who watched this as a kid that's essentially what it is it's a christmas slash disney themed rattle that you can wave in front of your kids and they'll be occupied for an hour and they won't bug you so scott what did you rate this holly jolly christmas adventure on Letterboxed,
1: I gave it one star, one single solitary star, and an hour I will probably never remember <laughs> about two months from now.
0: That's a fair assessment. I, I gave it a one and a half simply because I do consider it a so bad it's good. You know, it it frustrates me because Beauty and the Beast is so beloved to me personally. However, I did have fun watching it and making fun of the nonsense of it. And, you know, a lot of Christmas specials, Christmas movies, a lot of them are trash. But you put up with it because it's Christmas and it gives you some warm and fuzzies. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say I got warm and fuzzies i maybe got some tepid and scratchies. you know what i mean like i i i I didn't i didn't get the warm and fuzzies i got like half halfway there just from the nostalgia of it and the so bad it's goodness
1: yeah i didn't get any of that so uh... well that's
0: because scott has no soul now next week (laughs) Next week is going to be a very special episode. It is going to be our final episode of 2020. Yes. It's going to be our final episode of our season one of Shoot the Flick, which is very exciting. But uh, it's going to be kind of a different episode. We're going to be rewatching a movie that both of us have seen before, but we both have very different views on. And it's a Christmas movie to some people. To some people, it's not. And we're going to talk about it and fight to the death. <laughs> Get your law
1: and order ready.
0: Hopefully by the end of it, though, we can come to a decision. We probably won't. No.
1: On whether it's actually a Christmas movie or not. No, because one of us won't budge.
0: <laughs> well, one of us is very stubborn. Yes. And the other one is also very stubborn.
1: Uh
0: Okay, <laughs> whatever you say there, other one. <laughs> so until then, this has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm
1: Scott Eisenberg.
0: Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our jingly, jangly Santa Claus elf on a shelf
1: movie adventure I I I wanted to mention the bench what are you doing here I got <laughs>